Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This is a busy week for finales, not just season finales, but series finales, including for a few of our favorites. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I'll review Fast X, the latest in the Fast and Furious franchise. And we've got another big Disney live-action remake to tell you about. Will this be a win for Disney? But first, this weekend is flush with finales. I can't remember the last time that four, count them, four major shows ended on the same weekend. I do remember seeing Kelsey Grammer on Letterman back in 2004 and him bitterly reminding everyone that the Friends finale that week wasn't the only show going off the air because Frasier was too. Now this week we have Succession in the Friends slot and I guess Barry in the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and Ted Lasso in the Frasier slot. So we're sure about Ted Lasso. This is the end, eh? As far as I know, this is looking like the end. They have not yet confirmed, but this is how the last episode ended. No spoilers, actually. There's nothing really said in this clip. Now, this is that time of year when I come down here and reveal something to you. Oh, snap. That's right. Okay. Well, here we go. <laughs> Tell me. Go on. Let her rip. I've got nothing. Oh. Oh, I really tried as well. I mean, even on the walk over here, I was thinking something would pop into my head, but nope, absolutely nothing. No truth bomb this year. Mm. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I got one. Oh, look, it looks like, and I'm just seeing uh, this story is just from the last uh, 24 hours or so as we record this on Thursdays. In an interview with Deadline, Jason Sudeikis uh, confirms there are only three seasons of Ted Lasso. This is, quote, the, this is the end of this story that we wanted to tell, that we were hoping to tell, that we loved to tell. So looks like this is it, the third and final season of Ted Lasso, but the writing's been on the wall for a long time, and uh, there are all kinds of opportunities for spinoffs. Um, but yeah, it's, the season three has been excellent. Can't wait. The finale, by the way, Ted Lasso airs on Wednesdays on Apple TV+, Plus. although um, I'm not really sure what the reason is for this, but it always lands on Tuesday night. So we're in Winnipeg. It debuts at 8 p.m., uh, Tuesday nights in Winnipeg. So just watch out for that if you want to. don't want to wait until Wednesday. It might pop up for you on Tuesday. There you go. And a couple of quick words about uh, Maisel and Barry. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel has been a very unique show running five seasons. It's an hour-long comedy. Well, it's kind of a dramedy, I guess, but mostly a comedy. It's dialogue-driven. With uh, It's very snappy and peppy. It kind of feels like an Aaron Sorkin-y thing. And it's the story of this lady, Mira Maisel. She's an aspiring stand-up comic in the late 50s and early 60s and how her career gets going with the help of her agent, Susie. It's bright, colorful, especially on the costume and set design front. It's just a lot, and it's been a lot of fun. It's one of, It did win a lot of awards in the early going, but not so much lately. Um, it's been a fun world to visit, and I think of the you know handful of shows here in the discussion, it's the one I'll actually miss watching the most. Uh, I have zero expectations for the finale because they put in a new gimmick this season where most of the episodes started with a flash forward of some sort, so we kind of already know how things are going to end up for many of the characters. HBO's Barry, on the other hand, who knows? That show started four seasons ago with a, a hooky premise. What if you had a guy who was a world-class hitman 
who wanted to be an actor. And so we met Barry Berkman, played by Bill Hader, who could kill anyone at any time, but was much more concerned about his acting class, taught by Henry Winkler. And over the course of four seasons, though, the show has kind of taken a very grim turn. It used to be very funny and very comical. Now it's much more into the dramedy, and some of the drama has been pretty heavy. It is incredibly good. There's still a lot of big laughs, too, but I kind of yearn for the early days when it was a much lighter show and we got a lot of fun scenes in that acting class. Nevertheless, can't see where they're going to take it for the finale, but uh, can't wait. We'll find out Sunday. But before that, on Sunday, of course, we're going to have the Big Daddy finale with Succession. I know that we've said the worst things, but I just wanted to get a few things straight. Dad said that it would be me. If we want to hold on to this company for us, we have to go into battle with our own version of the future with the king. Okay, buckle up. One more episode of Succession, 90 minutes apparently. I guess we'll get to find out who actually gets to take control of the company in the show. Of course, it's a show about this family, the Roys, and the media empire that they control and uh, one of the kids or somebody has to take over. I guess to my mind doesn't really matter. Like most shows, it's more about the journey than the destination. I would think the smart money still has to be uh, on some sort of a hollow victory for Kendall. He wins but is miserable, which uh, kind of seems to be one of the points of the show. None of these people will ever be happy because none of them have ever been around people who are actually happy. Everything is just winning and losing and grabbing after more power and money. There will be some satisfaction in a character like Jerry becoming CEO, but I think the show's kind of too cynical for something like that. I could see maybe a guy like Carl uh, becoming the CEO because he's such a moron and it would be fitting in the show's eyes to reward him greatly when he does not at all deserve it, but we'll find out on Sunday. What are you looking forward to in that succession finale? I have been watching... It's funny, there are... YouTube channels like one called... There's one called New Rockstars, which I really much enjoy because they do really serious breakdowns and deep dives. And they actually have a separate channel that's now called Deep Dive. So they dive even deeper on that one. But yeah, they 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 love pop culture stuff, but most of it is superhero stuff or science fiction stuff, like your typical geek culture. But they actually did a prediction video for what's going to happen with Succession. And I'm not going to say what their theory was because they are often correct with their theories because they know the material so well. And they outlined a theory, and they didn't just say, we think this is going to happen. They went through the whole series and pointed to various uh, moments in time that really paint a solid argument for the person they believe is going to succeed. So I don't know. Um, so it was cool. That, that, it just goes to show the power of the show that when channels like that are spending more all this time moving aside from their superhero stuff for a little bit to focus on a serious HBO drama. I think that's great. And yeah, I, I love this show. And it's funny. I was talking to my dad the other day and he says, I can't watch it. I tried watching it and I have to turn it off because I just get angry. Everyone is so despicable. <laughs> it's true. And he, he's Smash Gordon. He's absolutely right. Um, and I also, when I first started watching this, I thought, who am I supposed to cheer for here? But eventually I just found myself fascinated and mesmerized by this disgusting family and everyone they're surrounded with. They're all just awful, awful people. And yet I'm curious to see who wins. I suspect 
nobody wins, as you pointed out, in the true sense. It's going to be uh, sort of a lose-lose situation all around for everybody. So that is on Sunday night, HBO show that you can find on Crave here in Canada. And we should also point out as well, in terms of series finales, a pretty big one came to an end earlier this week. We got to move. Listen, we still don't know if he's dirty or not. Kenzie and Deeks are the ones in trouble. We're running out of time. Kenzie, do you copy? The series finale of NCIS Los Angeles. NCIS Cool J, as we like to call it, has come to an end. Cancelled after 14 seasons, which is like the fifth longest scripted drama on CBS. And it sounds like it came like a big of a, a bit of a surprise, but uh, they pointed to escalating costs. I guess it costs hmm. a lot of money for that particular show. But, and, and so NCIS New Orleans, or as we call it, NCIS Quantum Leap, because it starred Scott Bakula, who played Dr. Sam Beckett. That was canceled in 2021 after seven seasons. But uh, the NCIS OG is still going. I think it's moving into its 21st season. Good Lord. And uh, NCIS Magnum P.I. Wait, what? And AKA NCIS Hawaii. I didn't know they had a Hawaiian one. <laughs> Yeah, there's wow. NCIS Hawaii. Maybe they'll do a crossover with the actual Magnum P.I. That would be pretty cool. Um, that's going into season three. LL Cool J, by the way, is going to join that show, reprising his role as Sam Hanna. I guess he appeared in a cameo at the end of season two. So if you like those shows, NCIS and NCIS Hawaii, you can still watch those on Global. And speaking of shows that will air on Global, we got to tell you up next about... The finale of one of our favorite shows, not the series finale. I don't know if this show is ever going to stop, <laughs> but 44 seasons in, my gosh, you are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes talking finales so far, series finales, but this week also saw a big season finale for a show that was, that's was that been one of our favorite shows since its inception. So we are going to talk about, with no spoilers, the 44th season finale for Survivor. We're so happy to be in the final five. This is the last leg of the game. Next time on the season finale of Survivor. Everyone here knows that I can beat them. I'm ready and I want to fight my way to the end. I don't want second, third or fourth. I want sole survivor. This is the difference between winning a million dollars or not. Survivor seen Wednesdays on Global. And by the way, if that promo, I suppose... That, that promo could provide some spoilers as to who's in the finale, but... If you're weeks behind. Yeah, like if... I, I imagine... I think most Survivor watchers try to stay on top of this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, And so if you're the kind of person who leaves it, I'm going to binge it all at the end, well... Too bad. Yeah, I, I, I have very <laughs> little sympathy. But uh, if, you're, if you're almost caught up and you're just a few days behind, we're going to leave the winner and who made it to the final three out of it. But Jeff, what did you think? I thought it was a good season overall, um, but I also, with a big caveat, and I would say thank God for uh, Carolyn and Jam Jam, because aside from them, there were not a ton of memorable characters, and looking at the jury while watching the finale, there were a couple of people sitting there, and I was just like, 
What's their name again? Like, I couldn't even remember their names at the end of the season. Usually it takes a few episodes for me to get people's names down, but if they make it to the merge and the jury and then the finale, I can't remember their name. They obviously did not leave much of an impression. Uh, I would also say go back to a final two instead of a final three. And they do this fire-making challenge thing every time now, which I think it's a dumb way to decide things. I don't mind it as a tiebreaker, but to play a great game and then have things come down to whether or not you can start a fire quickly, that kind of irks me a little bit. Although I guess at this point, everyone sort of knows that going in. So it's it's not like they're being blindsided by it at the last moment. But uh, And it was in the finale. It was a memorable kind of fire-making scenario that we got to see. And while I'm complaining about game mechanics, I also think it might be time to get some new challenges in the mix. I'm sure there were some original ones this year, but there were a lot of repeat ones and ones that have been repeated several times. And it's some every now and then it's like, ooh, I like this one. But over the course of a season, it's like, oh, can we get a few more new ones, please? And um, on that final three tip, by the way, one person got zero votes, which kind of floored me as I had sort of pegged that person as the winner, and then they got zero votes. And I was watching, I was like, I think these contestants are going to come back to America and in real time watching the season with the audience are going to realize, oh, maybe we actually, maybe we biffed this one a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I liked one person more than a, a lot more than the others. I was kind of surprised by it. But overall, I thought it was, uh, you know, a pretty good year. The birdcage thing was great. Hopefully they can uh, get one more season out of that before, you know, p- people get hip to it kind of thing. So that, w- that was, a, I think, the most fun twist of the year, the stuff that that all brought upon other um, people. But other than that, it was a pretty straightforward season. There were a lot of medical issues at the beginning. Thankfully, that wasn't a problem all the way through. It was, uh, it was a good season of Survivor, and I can't wait for season 45. Yeah, I thought it was good as well. I would say good, not great. Yeah. I'm with you in the sense that Jam Jam and Carolyn are two of the kookiest characters we've ever had on the show. Yep. And But good at it. Yeah, they were good, and they were not obnoxious. Right. So a lot of times when you get the kooky characters, they're obnoxious or villainous, or they're just the kind of person where you scream at the TV like, would you just shut up? <laughs> I hate you so much. Get Go home. Um, and uh, the medical visits that they had at the beginning, like right that first episode, within the first few minutes, they had to call in medical, and then we had more, more medical situations. So it looked like the season was going to be totally bonkers, and then it just sort of leveled out. And that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. And I also – I've said this before, and I will just repeat it again. My interest level in Survivor – is much lower for the spring season than the fall. Really? And I don't think that has necessarily has anything to do with the quality of the show. I just think you, you've talked about this before. Why do Canadians like Survivor so much? It's when it's cold out and we see people off in this tropical yeah. paradise, We maybe we sort of enjoy that kind of like living vicariously through them. But as when Survivor, the spring show starts, things are already starting to warm up. And I'm already thinking... Like, I don't have to pretend to want to go outside. I can just go outside. It's warm and sunny out today, so why am I watching Survivor? Yeah, Yeah, so I think that that, although there was one season, I think five years ago in the spring, where I genuinely stopped watching. I I, I got to a point where I realized I don't care about any of these people. All the people I liked are gone. I don't care about who's left. Why am I still watching? So I just stopped. But with this one, I did 
I was invested in the the people who made it to the final five. I'll say that much. I was also shocked at the fact that one person did not get a single vote. So that is frustrating. And here's another observation. And I, we've also talked about this before, and we've complained for years. Like, why is the jury so angry at the contestants? Like, it's just a game. You got outplayed. Why are you attacking the the, the finalists? And we've seen this shift in recent years where people are starting to become a bit more positive and even when they get blindsided like viciously blindsided they'll get up and say oh you got me yep. good one way to go gang <laughs> love you good luck and then the and even probst said this is one of the most you held the the finalists to account but this might be the most positive jury we've ever seen so i like the positivity i like that the, the, they're getting along but you it's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. It's also the opposite of how society in general has gone since Survivor began. True. They've got everyone in Survivor gets nicer. Everyone in the real world gets, like, meaner, I guess. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. We're so divided now in the real world, but on Survivor, it's just kumbaya <laughs> and uh, rainbows and unicorns. So it was good. Not great overall. I'm looking forward, though, to season 45 because we always look forward to see, to Survivor. It's like a, the, an old friend that you see once every few months, and Absolutely. it's just like an old glove bang. Let's go. Up next, got to find out how not just just friends but just family performed at the <laughs> box office. Details next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And it was a huge week for me as I got to go to the theaters to see the 10th installment of the Fast and the Furious franchise in Fast X. Audiences agree that Fast 10 is Cheers. too fast. And now it's the number one movie in the world. Yeah. That was awesome. Okay, he just called it Fast 10, I called it Fast X. We'll never get to agree on that, and it's uh, perf perfectly in keeping with the ridiculous titling scheme of this entire series. Remember Too Fast, Too Furious, and uh, what a chuckle we all had at that silly title? So, I don't know. It, it's good. I, I'm glad they keep doing this. I don't know what they're going to do for Part 2, Fast X.2 or something stupid like that. What do you think? Oh, I was trying to think about this the other day, but everything I came up with just sounded like an <laughs> X-Men sequel. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Fast 10, Fast X, whatever you want to call it, is the number one movie in the world. It made $350 million around the world in its opening week. It's the 10th, but really 11th installment of the Fast and Furious series. And it's one of the dumbest, but also one of the most fun movies of the year. Uh, in the ninth movie, they went to space. And while there's obviously no topping that, in terms of geography, Fast X does definitely crank up the action. There are prolonged set pieces where it's just unrelenting. You've seen the giant boulder-sized and shaped bomb rolling through the streets of Rome in the trailer and all the commercials. That thing rolls for a long time, and it smooshes dozens of cars along the way. It's pretty wild, and it's really just the beginning. It's kind of the first big thing that happens in the movie. Uh, the plot of the movie is just nonsense. Jason Momoa plays a guy named Dante, and and he's the son of the bad guy from Fast Five. That was the real movie where they dragged the safe down the street. And if you forgot that, don't worry, because at the beginning of this movie, we do some flashbacking and we see Momoa was there the whole time, but couldn't save his father, who was the big bad of that movie. The gang stole all his drug money and The Rock put two bullets in his head just to be a jerk about it. And now Dante wants revenge and killing Vin Diesel and friends isn't enough. Dante's philosophy is that they need to suffer, although pretty much 
everything he does to them would very easily kill anybody in the blink of an eye. So it's not a great thought out plan or anything like that. Like F9, and it's, uh, you know, something I don't care for. The gang is kind of split up in a bunch of smaller groups for most of the movie. I prefer when they all work together, but there's just too many of them now, I guess. And it feels like they bring back anyone who's ever been in any of these movies. Scott Eastwood is back uh, from the eighth movie for just a little bit. Mia shows up for, I think, just one scene. There's lots of stuff like that, and while that can make things kind of narratively messy, it's, I would say, just part of the movie's overall goal of being a greatest hits package. Uh, it's the last movie, except it might come in three parts. Uh, so this is just part one of the last movie, but it seems like they're determined to kind of pay homage to all that came before, aside from the literal flashbacks and story connections to Fast Five, there are other visual uh, homages to many of the, of the other films. There's also talk about drifting, like they do in Tokyo. There's uh, there's also a street race, which we haven't seen uh, in quite a few movies, I think. I guess at the beginning of uh, F8, there was one. But it's, you know, kind of just fun and rewarding for those of us who've been paying attention the whole way through or watched all the movies a bunch of times. But it does get cramped, even, as, even though Momo is a bad guy, we still have a lot of previous bad guys in the mix, although now most of them are friends to some degree, including John Cena, Charlize Theron, and Jason Statham. There are some other new additions this time out. Aside from Momoa, Brie Larson plays the relative of a character we know, Alan Richson, uh, the big giant guy that played Jack Reacher last year. He plays a government guy, and he's also Larson's boss. Pete Davidson shows up for some comic relief, uh, and that's about all he does. Rita Moreno shows up for no reason. That was a really weird one. Uh, same goes for the resurgence of Helen Mirren's character, who hasn't done anything really significant in a couple of movies either. They could have very easily trimmed this two-and-a-half-hour movie down to two hours and not lost anything important. But uh, probably the most important addition to the cast, though, is uh, Little B, Vince... Uh, Vin Diesel's son in this. He's uh, along for the ride, literally, and he's very good at making surprised, shocked faces, which he gets to do a lot. It sounds like a weird thing to point out, but the movie relies on it because he's the only one who kind of can't believe what's going on. Vin Diesel just has the same friggin' expression on his face through ten movies now. It's really funny. I guess he's not in all of them, though. Uh, there's a lot of humor. John uh, Cena is jokey in this one after being the serious bad guy in the last one, and that's a good thing because he's obviously a very funny guy, just like Statham was funny in 8 after being the bad guy in 7. And of course, there's a lot of unintentional humor, but that, of course, is mostly courtesy of Vin Diesel's acting style. Um, I go to these movies with our buddy Joel, and we laugh and laugh, uh, probably to the point where people are getting annoyed with us because, like, that's not a joke. Why are you guys laughing? Well... This is Vin Diesel's trying to act serious, that's why. Um, as mentioned, part one of this final duo or trio of movies, which is a weird thing to say. Mostly it just means, you know, they don't resolve anything at the end of this one, and there's kind of like a cliffhanger, but it's not as interesting as the end of, say, Avengers Infinity War uh, because that had Thanos' snap and half the people disappeared, and it's was like, wait, what? Uh, this one, it's kind of like, oh, so-and-so's in danger, but probably not really because they've got two more movies coming. So, And also, since they never seem to kill anyone for real, it's hard to believe that any implied danger would pay off that way. Doesn't really matter. They'll get to that final barbecue sooner or later. For now, we have Fast X to chew on for a while, and it's a fun addition to what's been, of course, a bonkers franchise. I will give it three and a half couch cushions out of five. So we might get two more. One Fast more for movies. sure. Yeah, yeah, one more for sure. Maybe two, depending on the whims of Vin Diesel 
and the studio, I'm sure, will be happy to please go make more. You, yeah, you yeah. Make, like they made the 300, would you say 350, 350 million yeah. worldwide in the first week, and it's bound to make. Uh, you know, we've we've got some cramped theaters coming up here, and we'll tell you about a couple in a second here. But uh, they make a these movies make a lot of money internationally. Oh yeah, because you don't need to speak English to get what's going on in any of these movies. So it's just fun to watch the stuff go boom. And the the Fast and Furious movies were like they were diver- their casts were super diverse before diversity became a, yeah. a thing we even talked about yep. in movies. So uh, kudos to them. I'm looking forward to seeing him. And I, I like silly fun, just silly big action fun uh, sounds great. So I'll get around to checking that one out. Eventually, but then on top of the one, potentially two more fast movies to end this saga, now Brie Larson is talking about how she'd like to do an all-female Fast and Furious spinoff. Oh. And Michelle Rodriguez is apparently on board, and I think Charlize Theron expressed some potential interest in doing that, so we might get more in that sense as well. That's interesting. But uh, new in theaters this week... And I'm curious to see how these, how because we've got Guardians of the Galaxy in theaters. We've got Fast X slash 10. And new in theaters this week, another big one from Disney, The Little Mermaid. I've been watching you for a long time now, Jerry. Ariel, this obsession with humans has to stop. I just want to know more about them. Your father wants you to stay as far away from the human world as possible. Can you help me? You can't live in that world unless you become a human yourself. Is that even possible? My dear, it's what I live for. Disney's The Little Mermaid. Rated PG. So, 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. We've got Halle Bailey as Ariel, Melissa McCarthy as Ursula, and Javier Bardem as King Triton. I have seen The Little Mermaid cartoon, I think, one time in my life. Maybe two. I think I've seen part of it once. My nieces were watching it, and I drifted in and out as I had a nap or two on the couch while it was playing. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know why I've never gone back to rewatch it because I remember loving it. Yeah, and so many people love it. I think it was like this was part of Disney's resurgence. Oh yeah, thirty years ago, this one might have been the one to do it. Um, so seventy one percent, not bad. The word is that this is might be the best live action remake they've done because they they keep like the Lion King was panned for the most part Uh, so this could be a win for them and this movie has had its controversy a lot of people were unhappy with the casting choice of race swapping the character Ariel a lot of people are just outright bigots and a lot of people are sort of sick of the corporate diversity but it was I think a vocal minority although something weird I I caught this uh, China they changed the poster so that she didn't have like so that she just looked like you know like underwater like she looked she looked blue yeah. and for black panther when they um there was a poster in north america where t'challa was maskless he wasn't wearing his panther mask right. but in china they he was wearing the mask and for star wars the force awakens they just flat out removed john boyega's character finn from the poster. That's weird. So I don't know. I didn't like, I, I started to dive into that to figure out like what's going on in China. And then I thought, well, 
whatever. <laughs> I'm tired. I'll figure it out another time. But just wanted to point that out. Like, there is some controversy around this movie, but... Disputing the race of a mermaid? Exactly. Seems weird, as it's a fictional <laughs> being at... You know what I mean? It's like, what color is a mermaid supposed to be? I know, I know. So well, that's new in theaters this weekend. Also new... Comedian Burt Kreischer stars in The Machine. Seven years ago, one incredible story blew up the internet. When I was 22, I got involved with the Russian mafia. I did not speak Russian. Yeah, Machine. 23 years after those events, the story continues. You're coming with me back to Russia. Son, take off that shirt and show those gangsters who you really are. Now, at a party with me. He's the machine. The machine. What is wrong with this shirt? In theaters, May twenty sixth. Read it all. Okay, so are you first of all? Are you familiar with this comedian, Bert Kreischer? Yep, he likes to do a stand up comedy with uh, bareback for some reason. Yeah, he takes his shirt off. Yeah. Okay, so that's a part of this movie. Uh, it, when I saw the trailer, I thought this looks bonkers. So Mark Hamill, for example, plays his dad. So. He rose to fame as a stand-up comedian known as The Machine, at least in this movie and in his signatures. I mean, he is a famous comedian. Uh, and in his signature set, he recounts this true experience with Russian mobsters while on a booze-soaked college trip. So now, 23 years later, that trip has come back to haunt him as he and his estranged father, played again by Mark Hamill, they're kidnapped back to Russia by the mob to atone for something they say he did, so together Bert and his dad must retrace the steps of his younger self in the midst of a war with a massive crime family, all while attempting to find common ground in their often fraught relationship. So, but you just watch the trailer. It looks crazy. Huh. As of Thursday afternoon, no reviews have come in yet. <laughs> Never a good sign, but I feel like this is the kind of movie that if you watch the trailer and you want to see it, you don't care yeah, what yeah. anybody, right. what any critic has to say about it. And Mark Hamill looks like he is having a blast in this movie. Speaking of one Lucasfilm icon, Luke Skywalker, another Lucasfilm icon not doing so well with the critics. We will explain next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We want to give you a heads up about something coming out on June 30th. What are you doing here? Rescuing you! Hang on! Okay! Indiana Jones, back in the saddle. Get back! could change the course of history. Fasten your seatbelt. I've been looking for this all my life. Ready PG-13. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It recently showed at Con, and the review embargo was lifted, like, over a month early. That is unusual. Ford was welcomed to the theater with thunderous applause, which moved him to tears, after the movie, there was a five-minute standing ovation, but apparently it was, like, lukewarm. Five minutes is, like, the bare minimum in con, for whatever reason. They're ovation crazy there. So, yeah, five minutes is tantamount to being booed. Yeah, and apparently there were a lot of people whispering through the movie, uh, which is not a good sign. Not my Indiana Jones. And with the reviews coming out, <laughs> it's not good. It's at 49%. So we've got... Um, I'm just pulling that page back up here because I, there were 39 reviews 
that had come in. So we're almost at a 50-50 split here. But obviously they're hoping for a slam dunk. This is no slam dunk. This currently makes it a rotten tomato. Uh, For example, one critic says, this isn't the goodbye which Harrison Ford deserves. Or another critic says, fun isn't the most accurate way to describe its excessive antics. There's never a dull moment but all the globe-trotting hullabaloo does verge on exhausting. And uh, Peter Howell over the Toronto Star says, it's all pretty goofy and laborious over its 142-minute running time. So those are all negative reviews. There are positive reviews there as well. But Hmm. what do you think? Um, I don't know what to think. I've read some other people saying, well, those are just uh, the snooty European critics, although if that guy from the Star was there, I guess he's not European. So, But I think there were also fanboys grasping at straws, like how could this not be excellent? Uh, Honestly, I think we said it before, uh, if it clears the incredibly low bar of being better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I'll be happy. So that's fine. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, if anyone's going into the sinking, it's going to be anywhere in the realm of the movies from the 80s. They've never been to the movies before. They're dumb. That thing Tom Cruise did with <laughs> Top Gun last year is an anomaly of the absolute highest order. To have a sequel to something from that long ago and have it, you know, match the quality is absolutely unheard of. And to think that Indiana Jones was going to be as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark is ridiculous. Yeah. I, and I, I'm looking forward just to even seeing Harrison Ford yeah. back in the role. It looks like he's having fun in the, tra- in the trailers. I, I, when he came back in, as Han Solo, he was clearly enjoying that. Yep. So uh, it's uh, like Star Wars. I mean, list, hearing the theme song in the theater is that's worth like half the trip right there. Yeah, and I should also quickly mention, speaking of sequels, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, debuted last week on Disney+, and I did not see it in the theaters. Jeff did, and uh, refresh my memory, what did you give it, do you recall? Uh, I probably gave it three out of five. I probably, in hindsight, would like to lower that a little bit. Oh, really? Okay. I will give it three out of five. I was surprisingly pleased with this movie. I think it's because my expectations were so low. I didn't mind. The inner space stuff was a lot and it was weird, but it was imaginative and kind of goofy and fun and different. I don't know. I think I enjoyed it because it was like, all right, fun movie to watch at home. Whatever. Yeah. Had I gone to the theater, I might have been more angry. <laughs> That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.